All right. Praise the Lord. Um, again, thank you for everybody for your uh, that love gift. And um, like I said, it's always a, uh, an honor. It's an honor to serve here. And uh, uh, we've been doing it now for nearly, nearly 30 years now as far as senior pastor. Um, and so uh, we count it a privilege to do what we do. Um, to, uh, you know, not just to serve God, but to be here being a blessing to you and serving your households. Amen. So anyway, uh, uh, give God praise, if you will. Hallelujah. 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 Now, um, I know that uh, there's some churches not having church today, but uh, we are not them churches. Nothing wrong with it. They can do whatever they want to do. That's their business. That's between them and God. But uh, um, my thought is, uh, uh, if there's a lot of problem out there, then why wouldn't we have church? Because uh, I believe our Lord and Savior has answers. Amen. We don't run from our problems. Come on, somebody. And uh, we refuse fear. Uh, Trudy already brought that up. And, of course, we've been ministering on that the last couple Sundays. Uh, been talking about identity. And, you know, really, we're in the middle of a series of identity um, you know, knowing who you are in Christ. Um, and we've been talking about maintaining confidence in not only who you are, but in whose you are, right? And so one of the things that wars against your confidence is a thing called fear. And uh, so with that said, um, let's do this. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4 again. We'll kind of try to breeze through this a little quicker today and then get into what we got for you. Um, uh, we, um, you know, you have to address fear. If you don't, fear just dictates and dominates. Fear will shut you down. Uh, and you're a child of God. And, uh, you know, you got, a, you got a great God, a good God on your side. And so um, there's no reason for us to yield to fear, especially when the Word says He did not give you a spirit of fear. But what did He give you? He gave you, and we found out last week, He gave you what? Power right, to deal with all that mess out there. He gave you love, amen, showing you that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's got your back, praise God, and giving you a sound mind so you don't have to be all uh, full of chaos and, uh, you know, stress and, and worry and all that mess. We can deal with this thing, amen. And so, uh, anyway, with that said, John, First John chapter 4, and we're going to go to verse, uh, I believe, 15 is what they got up there, so let me take, I guess I should get to it, right? So, verse 15, and it says this, And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, now any believers in the house today? So then, so I'm assuming that you all confess Jesus as Lord. If you did not, this would be a good day to do it, amen, to make Jesus Lord of your life, amen. You don't even have to wait to the end of the service. You could just say, you know, Lord Jesus, I receive you now, praise God. Uh, when I received the Lord, um, I was driving in a car, I had already heard the truth. Uh, been in some meetings. Uh, we uh, uh, before I, we were married, um, we my uncle uh, and aunt took me to some meetings uh, with Andrew Walmack back in the Midwest, and uh, I got firsthand for a week, man. I mean, I just dove into this thing because it was I'd never heard some of the things 
uh, that you all get to hear. Come on, somebody. Uh, back there, we didn't know all this stuff. We didn't understand the love of God and, and a God that's for you, that's not against you, and, and promises in a word and, and, and healing and deliverance and breakthroughs. We never, we never heard any of that kind of stuff growing up. We just assumed that every bad thing that happened, it must be God. And that's what we heard all our life growing up. So every time, you know, a, a loved one would pass on, we just think, why would God take that, that person from us? And, and uh, every time there was an accident, we said, well, why would God do that to this family? Which is a bunch of bunk. It was lies. But the enemy, because uh, we don't know who our God is, we don't know who our enemy is, and we surely don't know who we are, we go on and just expect that, think that's the way it is. We just accept it and, and think that's, that's what it is, but it's a lie. I said it's a lie. God's good all the time. The devil's bad all the time. The scriptures even warn us about uh, coming into a day where, where the good would be called bad and the bad be called good. You get everything mixed up, and we're definitely in that day. And we see it. And, uh, but it says here, whoever confesses that, that Jesus is the Son of God, amen, it says God abides in him and he in God. In other words, as a result of receiving Christ, amen, I don't think I finished my story, did on that. I received Christ actually going down the road, driving in a car, because I had heard that week prior about the truth of God. And, and I made a decision as I was driving down the road, just said, Lord, if this is real, and obviously it seems like it is, I want some of that. If you can do anything with me, I'm yours. Well, I think it's stuck. So you don't have to do it in a service. You don't have to wait for some altar call. Amen. Which is fine. If you haven't, but I suggest get her done. Praise God. But the point is, is confessing him as Lord. Receive him. And when you do, something happens. This you become a new creation in Christ where, where you reside in Him, in that family, in that household, in that kingdom, and He resides in you, which makes you now an overcomer, a conqueror, praise God, forgiven, redeemed, amen, chosen, accepted. Amen. Come on, we can go on and on. And all of that is, is, is a part of your identity now. When you accepted Christ, your whole identity changed. Amen. So it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God then abides or remains or continues in him. And he, in other words, the one that received Christ, now in him, right? Now verse 16, thank you. Hallelujah. And verse 16 kind of steps it up. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. That's key, knowing love and believing in the love, right? Known and believed the love that God has for us. Here we go. God is Love. God is love. All right. God is agape. That's that Greek word. Okay. Which means unconditional love, unconditional giving of benevolence, a giving unto. That's why it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only be because that's the nature of God. It's not take. It's to give. Right? Remember when Jesus and the posse were strolling down, uh, down, coming into the next city, and they actually went through town, and, and everybody kind of turned their nose up at him. Well, the disciples were all bummed out, thinking, my goodness, who, who do they think they are turning their nose up at Jesus? So as they got over to the other side of town, the disciples turned back and said, let's call fire down on that city. They thought, man, we're going to see something cool. Well, Jesus looked at him and said, man, you don't even know what spirit you're of. 
I didn't come to destroy lives. I came to save lives. Right? Because that's the nature of God. Are you with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, whosoever would believe on him or call on him would be what? Saved. Praise God. Amen. Now, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So what he's doing, he stepped it up. He said this, if you've received Christ, not only are you in God and God in you, but you have to understand he is love, which means that you abide in love and love now abides in you. Are you with me? Verse 17. Remember, God is love. Love has been perfected among us in this. In other words, love has been fully formed among us in this. In other words, love is built, increased, uh, made right, made whole, made complete, fully formed among us in this, that we may, in other words, there's a reason for it, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Let's define that again because sometimes there's a little bit of mix up on this that we may have boldness or confidence. In other words, love has been fully formed in you so you don't lose your confidence because you believe in who you are and you believe in whose you are. You have nothing to fear when those things are working in you. When you know who you are and you know who he is, we have no reason for fear. He's not the author of it. But if it hasn't been fully formed in you yet, you may still have fear. You may still lack confidence in some areas. It says here that we may have boldness or confidence in the day of judgment. Most people speed read that and they think it's talking about someday in the sweet by and by. It has nothing to do with when you get to heaven. You have no need for confidence when you get to heaven. Come on, somebody. The day of judgment. The word day here uh, just means a time period or time frame. A moment of time. It could be anything from a day to a year or years, okay? So it's referring to a time frame. So we have boldness or confidence in the day or time frame or the period of judgment. That word judgment, Greek word, uh, crisis, where we get our word crisis. It just means a moment or a time of decision. So in other words, in a moment of pressure, a moment of crisis, you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. Are you going to believe in who you are and whose you are? Or are you going to yield to fear? You're going to, you're going to submit to God or are you going to submit to fear? We're called to what? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. The problem is in that moment of pressure, some people forget that and they get it mixed up. They submit to the enemy and they resist God. And don't tell me you can't do it. Read Romans 8 and you'll find out. You can real quick resist God as a believer. I'll try this side because it's just got awful quiet in here. As a believer, you can resist God. Words are just based on where you set your mind, how you think. can war with God. Literally says it will be at enmity with God. In other words, it fights or wars against God. Just based on where you set your mind and how you think. Are you still with me? So we don't want to give place to fear. Are you with me? 
All right. So that we may have boldness in the day of judgment or decision or crisis because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, I still cannot figure out where and why they started putting the word he in there. And I think what it is is because I think when, they, when the translators read through that, they thought the boldness in the day of judgment was referring to someday when you get to heaven. And then they're trying to make sense of the rest of the verse, thinking that, when you, well, when you see him, then so are you in, you know, but it, you would think that would say then, so are you in heaven. But the word he is not even in the text. Can't find it in any text. It's not, it's not in the Greek. Even lexicons, if you read them through it, well, can't find it. Interlinear Bibles, all it'll say is that or this. Come on. And that's what the word is. Because as that is or as this is, so are we in this world. Are you hearing me? So what it means is to the degree that love has been perfected among you, to the degree that love has been fully formed in you will determine how you walk it out on planet earth. Are you with me? I mean, you got you to go through it because it has to, you have to make sense. The word says rightly divide the word of truth. If you don't rightly divide it, then you have to understand we're wrongly dividing it. Are you with me? It's just, it's necessary to know this because if we don't settle it, all right, that we can have confidence in a God who's with us a God that will never look beyond, forsake us, turn his back on us. He's always with us. He's in us and we're in him. The word says when you made Christ the Lord of your life, amen, the word says you were raised together with him and seated together with him in heavenly places. Well, you think, well, I'm not in heavenly. I'm right here on planet earth. No, you've been positioned in him. And if you have, if, if love itself is perfected or fully formed in you, then you have no problem believing the fact that you're in him and he's in you, praise God. I have nothing to fear. All fear is is an open door for the devil. That's why it irritates me to no end. Everybody gets to talking it and, and I'm sorry, I've got to get on my soapbox. I'll get, get a little bit irritated with the media and all this stuff. Because that's all they're trying to do is they're trying to create news and, and stir panic and stir problems. You want to get so worked up about, you know, I mean, listen, any death is a bad thing. We, it, it, you know, somebody lost a loved one. It's, there ain't nothing about it that's good. But if you're going to be so concerned about the few hundred that have died over nations, come on, we haven't even had what, haven't even had 40 die from this mess in the states what about the millions of unborn what about the tens of thousands who have died just from the flu this season you want to make a panic let's 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 give i'll give you something to panic about veterans i mean all this stuff that i mean we can go on and on of all those that have lost their life over the last year from just senseless things that the enemy has done to steal lives. All right? It's all over the place. All right? And again, I'll leave that alone. Anyway, so if love, remember, Mr. Love is who you're positioned in, and Mr. Love himself 
is positioned in you. So if that's fully formed, then you have nothing to fear. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. The interlinear says it this way. Fear not is in love. Fear not is in love. In other words, it's part of its DNA. There's absolutely no fear in the DNA of love. So the more that's formed in you, that means no fear. Still with me? There is no fear in love, but perfect love. In other words, that love that's fully formed, it's that same word, fully formed love, what, what it will do? It casts out fear. I think the first week we touched on this, I said, you know, if, if, you, if you shut off the lights, I don't have to stand here and say, darkness, get out of here. I command you, darkness, get out of here. No, just shut the lights off. Come on, somebody. I mean, turn the lights back on. We'll just, we'll run darkness out, right? Just turn the lights on, darkness leaves. So it's no different. You get love formed in you, darkness just has to go. Fear has to go because there's no place for it. It has absolutely no place. Love, perfect love, fully formed love will cast out fear. Why? Because why is that? Why would God want fear out? Because fear involves torment. God doesn't want his people tormented. The enemy wants you tormented. God don't want you tormented. The word torment here means penal punishment. In other words, imprisonment. Okay? Uh, We used a verse uh, a week back or two weeks back here talking about being, the fear causes you to be subject to bondage, which means uh, um, slavery to be enslaved. So both those words, this imprisonment or enslaved, neither one of them are good, but that's fear. That's what fear does. So when fear's on the, on the scene, it, it, it causes you to be uh, enslaved. It'll dictate. That's why we got some people didn't come out today. They're enslaved. Somebody says, no, you're picking. No, no, no. That's why a lot of the media, everybody's going ballistic. They're, they're imprisoned. You know, we, we, we do a ministry in the prison, and uh, we, uh, every, uh, you, know, uh, you know, throughout, I don't know how many years it's been now, we've been going in and out of there. Been a lot of, I think it's over a dozen years, been going in and out of there. And, uh, um, you know, you get people that come out, and, and uh, um, they, you know, they receive Christ. They come out, but if they don't, continue to renew their minds and get things fully formed in them, they could be just as imprisoned out here as they were in there. Are you with me? I know people, I, go, I can go in there and minister to people that are as free as they can get. They're free. And that they're behind bars. And come out here and people we work with on a day-to-day basis, completely imprisoned, even though they're not in a prison. Now, fear wants to do that to you, wants to lock you down, see, enslave you, dictate, make you do whatever it wants you to do, all right? Are you with me? All right. Fear involves torment, and he who fears, now listen, this ain't a condemnation statement, it's just the fact. If fear's still there, 
then you haven't been made perfect in love. You haven't been made fully formed yet. All right? So what does that mean? Well, then we just give up because I guess it ain't going to happen. No, you do what it takes. You keep hearing. Amen. You say, praise the Lord, Pastor Jerry. Step on my feet some more. <laughs> right? You keep hearing it. You keep hearing it. And you keep hearing it. Because if fear's there, you want to drive that mess out. You, 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 can't, you can't manage fear. How do you manage bondage? How do you manage torment? You can't. you got to drive it out. All right? And that's what we've been uh, diving into. And uh, the verse we used uh, last week, of course, was, uh, you know, first, uh, second, second Timothy 1, uh, in there that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Today, I want to just, I want to, I want to take a Joshua 1. I'm going to spin off this. I got a little bit different. I, I really came in here uh, originally uh, to minister on God as your healer because everything going on. And I kind of got, uh, everything kind of got flipped. So we'll, we'll just kind of roll with this. Um, but Joshua 1, 9, this is what, uh, this is what uh, the father said to Joshua after he was commissioned. Okay, now that Moses is gone, now Joshua, you're going to take this people into the promised land, take the promised land, and when it's all done, divide out the lands, make sure uh, that they, they, they receive uh, the promised, promised land. Got it? All right, so this is what he said. He actually repeated himself more than once here. He said, have I not commanded you? Okay, now if God's saying, have I not commanded you, I don't think it's just some friendly suggestion. Have I not commanded you, be strong and have good courage. Come on, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Now, why is he telling them this? Because the opportunity's there. The opportunity is there to be afraid and be dismayed. But he said, be strong and have good courage. Don't let fear in. Do not be afraid. Now, I've, I've never taken the time to do it, and I think I've mentioned this before, but somebody says that 365 times it says in the Bible, do uh, fear not or do not fear. 365 times. Okay, I've never taken time to count them, but I know there's a bunch. I know there's hundreds. Come on. Uh, that I know. But it doesn't matter whether he said it one time. Okay. Okay. So do not be afraid. Come on nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, that's an old covenant verse for one of our patriarchs of faith who took heed to that and as a result of it, completed the task he was asked to do, went down into the record books as a mighty man of faith. Come on, somebody. Because he believed God. You as a new covenant believer have even more than that. Not only has God promised to be with you, he's promised to be in you and you in him. It's even far more intense. We have no reason to fail at any of this. Okay? So let's look at this real quick, afraid nor be dismayed, okay? Because it's, it's, uh, you know, really today... um, I don't, the best, I don't know how to say it, I guess, but, um, well, here, let me give you a definition. It'll make more sense, okay? So uh, the word afraid, 
okay, means uh, to be harassed or oppressed by fear, okay? Harassed. So in other words, he says, be strong and of good courage. Do not be harassed or oppressed by fear, okay? Because that's what fear would do, okay? Nor be, what? Dismayed, which means to be beat down and discouraged by fear. But get this, it means to be terrorized. Terrorism. You know, um, you notice when you got the right president in, there's less terrorism. Because they don't, they don't mess around with it. You attempt, we'll take you out. We don't mess around with it. Because we're not about to let, listen, terrorism, see, when terrorism is rampant, it dictates. It controls. That's why they do it. That's why the enemy does it. Because if I can terrorize you, I can shut you down. I can determine what you'll do and not do. Now, the word fear, as we've defined, uh, you know, the word, especially the Greek word where we get our word phobia, phobos is the word, but it means everything from anxiety, worry, dread, or panic, apprehension, insecurity. These are all uh, synonyms of the word fear. Anxiety, okay, I'm just going to, I just, I took a, you know, there's just statements that get made out there about that these different words. Anxiety, one way or another, produces stress, which is a number one killer. Anxiety. Okay, produces stress. Stress is referred, and they say 90% of all diseases are rooted out of stress. Stress. You think, well, why, why would it be rooted out of stress? Because stress, see, fear or stress or anxiety uh, is it, it messes uh, with the hormones and the chemicals. Uh, it, everything gets imbalanced. All this imbalance happens, and then it starts your body starts reacting and doing things it shouldn't do or not doing what it should be doing. And stress creates that. They say 90% of all of them come out of stress, which is out of anxiety or fear because it's all fear-based. They say 50% of all office calls. Now, imagine this last week, I'd say about 100% of all the office calls came out of fear. Out of stress. Uh, right? Come on. Worry. They say worry will get you to one place ahead of time. The cemetery. He's very adamant. Do not worry. Why? Because it's fear-based. Well, if I don't worry, who will? There's just no logic behind that. See, worry opens the door for the enemy. Listen, the thing, this is what, this is what, Job said, the thing I feared the most has come upon me because fear dropped the hedge. Come on. We've studied this. We've taken the time to do this. Fear has dropped the hedge and opened the door, let the enemy in. 
and he go, comes in and because he steals, kills, and destroys, come on, that's what he does. That's what he did. You got to shut down fear. Come on now. All right. Panic. Trudy even mentioned it uh, earlier. Panic has always been a bigger problem than the problem. Always. There's a fire. Usually it can be, it can be somehow taken, you can get people, but as soon as panic sets in, now we got problems, real problems. Are you with me? And we can go on and on, all kinds of things. So panic is no good. Apprehension, get this, apprehension, which is another form of fear, phobos, okay? Apprehension continually gives the enemy home court advantage. So anytime you're operating out of apprehension, hesitation, you've automatically given the enemy now home court advantage. Still with me? And here's another one. I thought this would be, you know, insecurity. Now, nobody ever wants to admit they're insecure. But it's rampant. And probably all of us, to some degree or another, in some area of our life, have to deal with insecurity. All right? You don't toy around with it. You don't play patty cake with it. You deal with it. You don't, you know, sweep it under the rug and ignore it thinking it's going to go away because it won't go away. You don't shove it in the closet thinking, you know, nobody will notice. No, we already all know. It's easy to see. See, it's easy for me to see your insecurity. And it's probably just as easy for you to see my insecurity. Are you with me? But when insecurity's there, we got to deal with insecurity. Insecurity paralyzes, get this, insecurity paralyzes potential for progress. Automatically, it'll shut you down. You won't move forward if you're insecure. It limits forward motion. So anytime insecurity's there, it doesn't matter what area we're dealing with. It's the same across the board. When you're insecure about something, you don't move forward in that area. You're shut down. It'll paralyze you, okay, in that area. Now, you might be soaring in all the other areas, but this one area you're insecure about, it literally, it'll just, it'll lock you in because it's fear-based. Are you with me? Okay. So this, this is what we're going to do for the rest of the service here, all right, today. Uh, we're going to go to Psalms 103. And, um, and the best way I can say it, like I said, I, I, originally today I was going to come in here because of everything that was going on. I was just going to minister on the fact that he's your healer and, uh, you know, to drive fear out concerning sickness or disease and that kind of thing, in which I am sure you're going to get your ear full of some of that today, praise the Lord. But uh, he, he kind of put a shift on this. And so um, um, kind of how he said it to me is this, um, that, you know, not to be terrorized, but to be immunized. Okay. Now, a little bit of those that came on Friday night to the Holy Ghost and Fire Night. How many of that was a wonderful, great spirit in there? Man, it was a, the corporate spirit has just been great. And, uh, but we talked about getting the booster shot and, and being immunized and, uh, by the Spirit of God. And so uh, I'm sure some of that kind of spun out of some of that. But um, we're going to read 
Psalms 103, uh, verse, we'll, I think we're just going to read the first seven verses. So let me spin, let me read through this quick, and then we'll come back and kind of dissect it a little bit, okay? Because we're going to find some keys here um, through this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And then he goes to list some. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses and His acts to the children of Israel. In other words, the children saw all the great things that God did, but Moses didn't just see the acts. Moses got to know His ways. So that's what we're trying to do here is get you to know His ways. Come on, somebody. A lot of times we all want a breakthrough and a miracle, but if you get to know God's ways, you'll always have your breakthrough and miracle. Amen. So with that said, go back to verse, uh, verse 1. We'll just go ahead and read it again. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. And then he repeats it, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, what's he doing here? What he's doing is he's commanding himself to bless God regardless. He's commanding his own soul, his mind, his will, and his emotions. He's, he's demanding of himself to praise God, to bless God. Regardless of what's going on, I will bless God anyhow. Regardless of how it looks, I'm praising God anyhow. Regardless of what they're saying, I'm praising God anyhow. I will bless God. Soul, you line up. I don't care how fearful or how discouraged or how overwhelmed you are. You will bless God. Amen. Amen. So the first key that we have is you've got a purpose in yourself. You've got to settle it. You're going to be a praiser of God. No matter how it looks, what it sounds like, Who's doing the talking or not? Come on, somebody. You're still going to praise God anyhow. Are you with me? That's what we do, praise God. That's just good doctrine. I don't care who you, what you say, amen? That's just good doctrine right there. In fact, Psalms 150 brings out, even if you, if you got breath in your body, it'd just be good for you to praise God, amen? Well, I say one, Psalms 150, do we have that one? Hallelujah. Let everything that hath breath. Anybody here got breath? Anybody here don't have breath? Well, you never know. You know, maybe it's just, yeah, you know, everybody's into zombies now, you know. <laughs> Let everything have breath. Anybody in the house got breath? Yeah. Well, if you got breath, then it tells you what to do. If you got breath, then you ought to praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. The last, last verse, amen, of, of the Psalms right there. Amen. That just, just, just summed up the Psalms. No matter what, if you got breath, praise God. Amen. Somebody, you know, it's like, what do you call those uh, things when you get, you know, you read a book or if you don't read the book, instead you just grab the cheat sheet. What's that called? The what? Cliff notes? See, that's probably all I would have read when I was in school. Just give me the cliff notes. So this is your cliff note or cliff verse of the book of Psalms right here. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Amen. There you go. 150 Psalms right there. Come on, somebody. 
Look at your neighbor and say, be a praiser. Amen. Proverbs 17 and verse 22 talks about a merry heart does good like medicine. Some translations even use the word laughter here for a merry heart. Amen. Merry heart does good like medicine. Amen. But a broken spirit dries the bones. So we're talking about with everything going on. Amen. It's good to praise God. It's good to laugh. Amen. Amen. What they say laughter is, is the cheapest medicine. Yes. Yes, it is. It's the cheapest medicine. Because laughter causes healing because it produces endorphins. One brother says, get your dolphins jumping. Amen. <laughs> Whatever. Amen. Learn to laugh. Amen. Because, there are, I, mean, I mean, there's just funny things. I mean, you got to learn to laugh. It's better than being all, you know. Learn to laugh because laugh, amen, brings healing. Whereas fear, worry, stress, anxiety brings disease. So the point being is this, with all that mess going out there, the last thing you want is to break down your immune system. Don't make it easy for the devil. Get the dolphins jumping. Come on, somebody, right? Huh? Get to laughing about something. Amen. Hallelujah. Learn to laugh about some things. Amen. If anything, laugh at yourself. Okay, I'll leave that alone. Hallelujah. So, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's chapter uh, 103, verse 2. Uh, forget not all his benefits. Here's the next thing you need to do. Set your mind on his benefits. There's all kinds of benefits. Another way to say you could say on the promises. It's another way of saying it. Uh, Psalm 68 and 19 uh, talks about him daily loading you with benefits. I mean, there, there's so many. Praise God. Uh, no, let's do, uh, what, there it is. Psalm 68. There it is. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. There's a lot of daily. Look at Daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation. Selah. And the word Selah just means stop and think about it. Daily loads you. He's the God of our salvation, of your deliverance. He's your covering. He's your protection. Come on, that's who he is. So think about it. He daily loads us with benefits. So you got to start setting your mind on the benefits. Don't set your mind on what the news has to say about this stuff. That's dangerous. Well, you know, we got to know. No, what you need to know is what God says about it. You're a child of God. Remember, you're of a different kingdom. You're of a whole different realm. I mean, you're, you're of a different family. And, and you're a different person. You're literally, according to Scripture, you're an alien. Here for a visit. Beam me up, Scotty. Come on, right? I mean... You're just, you're just an alien here for a visit because you're a new species of being when you received him as Lord. So we got to start acting like that. Not, not go around. Anyway, anyway. I just had a bad picture of us going. I can't do it, I don't think. Is that a Spock thing or something? Star Wars, Star Trek, Star something. Star Lord. The point is, praise God, we're, 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 we're not really even of this kingdom. So what happens is we're sitting here feeding on something 
that's trying to dictate our life from a kingdom that we're not even a part of anymore. So you got to set your mind on things above. Set your mind on the benefits. There's all kinds of benefits. We ain't got time to go through all that, but one of those benefits is definitely healing and health and wholeness. Praise God. Um, I, I put uh, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 just because it says all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. How many promises you got in there? How many benefits you got in there? They said there's thousands. They say anywhere, you know, between uh, whatever it is, six and 10,000 promises in the Word that are for you as a believer. And a bunch of them deal with health and wholeness or a covering to cover you from disease and sickness. All plagues and all, no evil shall befall you, no plague come nigh your dwelling. Those are promises to you. So you have to stay, you can stand outside and say, you don't come near my house. Come on. Well, this is being weird. Listen, listen, listen. Either, either we're going to believe what the books say, we're going to believe what he says, or we're not. And to the degree that this is formed in you is going to determine how you live this thing. Listen, we're not, we're not denying the existence of some coronavirus or any other virus for that matter or any other disease for that matter or any other sickness or infirmity for that matter. We're not denying its existence. We're denying its right to control us. We're denying its right to touch us. That's what we're denying. All right, let's go back to Psalms 103. So, bless the Lord, O my soul, for getting out all his benefits. Who what? Forgives all your iniquities. Hallelujah. Forgives all your iniquities. See, some people think everything's coming at them. They're deserving of it because of all the mess that they've had or the things you've done wrong or whatever. So we, what happens is we just say, well, you know, all this is happening just because I'm deserving. Listen, somewhere along the line, you either have to receive that forgiveness and that mercy. Come on. Somewhere along the line, you got to do that. We're not ex- excusing sin. We're not excusing mistakes. We're just telling you the quickest way through this is receive the benefits that he has for you. One of those benefits is forgiveness from any iniquity or sin. We've all blown it. That's why we need a Savior. That's the purpose of the blood. That's the purpose, right? Right, To bring forgiveness of sin. You've been redeemed. Ephesians 1 says you've been redeemed by the blood, praise God, which is giving you forgiveness of sin. Done deal. Well, you know, my sin opened the door. Yes, it does. It opens the door for the devil. There ain't no doubt about it. So you better get yourself to God and get this mess under the blood while you can. That's the point. See, here it is, okay? This is your, here's the the principle. We'll put, run to God, not from God. When stuff's going on and you made a mistake, you, you tripped up, you stumbled, That's when you run to God. You run to God because your help is always in God. But it it, it baffles me as a pastor. And it's been this way for the 30, nearly 35 years of ministry, 30 as a senior pastor, where I've seen people that when they mess up, they, 
They disappear. And I'm thinking, I have yet to ever point my finger at somebody and go, I told you so. <laughs> Watch it. Now you're lying. I'm, yeah, you did that, baby. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably did that. Every person that's ever came back in the doors that made a mistake, we were here with open arms. Always. Never turned our back on anybody. When I see you out in the store, I look to go over and talk to you. You run from me, but I look, to, I go to, I've seen some of you. I, may, I have a game with it sometimes. I see you trying to run from me. I'm all, I'll meet you down three more aisles. Because this is going to be fun. I might have some fun while I'm doing it. But listen, I am always going to be open arms. I, I ain't looking to hold anything against anybody. Did your mistake create something? Probably did. But we ain't here to hold anything against you. And God isn't either. Are you with me? So my thought is this. If you made a mistake, you don't run from God. You run to God. Right? That's your help. There's where the answers are. Okay? So that's, that, in a sense, that's the next one, all right? His mercy, and in fact, I put, I think, Psalms uh, 136, and just says that his mercy endures forever. In fact, that whole psalm, that do you good to read it, just constantly repeats his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever, praise God. You know, um, I was thinking of the verse, um, you know, John 3.16. You know, for God so loved the world, right? We quoted earlier, right? I mean, even they even get it. They even know it in football games. Well, I don't know if they're still doing it. They used to do it all the time. Uh, John three sixteen. They see it in the end zone. Okay, for God so what? The world that He His only begotten Son that whosoever on Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Right, right. Okay. Why is it after we get saved, if we make a mistake, He no longer loves us? He says, is that true? Well, a lot of people think that. I mean, you came into the kingdom, you are a rank, nasty sinner. <laughs> and yet God loved you so much, loved you, loved you. And some of you were really bad. And he loved you. So much that he sent his son to die for you, to pay a price so you wouldn't have to. But now once you get saved, boy, all off now, buddy. You blow it, you screw up, buddy. You're going down. Really? I don't understand where that, you know, where that got started and why it, why it's even in the church, it's pathetic. God is always out looking for your, your well-being. But he's given you a way. He's not encouraging sin. He's not condoning sin. He's not making excuses for sin. He just says, when you blow it, run to me. He forgives all your iniquities. And what? He heals all your diseases. Huh. Everybody say all. all. Surely he didn't mean all. 
I mean, you know, cancer, that, not cancer. I mean, you know, that's a C word. That, that thing, oh, sure, not, corona? No, he couldn't heal you from corona. All your diseases. So here's the next one, okay? Believe nothing is impossible. Stop believing the worst. Start believing that nothing's impossible. You set your mind on those promises. You keep moving toward God no matter what, no matter where you're at. Amen. And you believe that all things are possible with God. Mark 9 and 23 said, Jesus said that, uh, that all things are possible to those who believe. He said, just believe. Would you just believe? Would you believe? Would you please believe that all things are possible? Right. Believe it. Okay, see, if you don't, see, fear has shut you down, and you'll think for some odd reason that he can't do anything about this. Nothing's impossible with God. Luke 1 says, Luke 18 says, even the things that are, that are impossible for man is not impossible for God. Nothing's impossible. Real quick, Acts 10 just says this, that, um, uh, that Jesus is the healer and heals all who are oppressed of the devil. That's Acts 10. Hallelujah. So we know that the enemy is the oppressor. Jesus is the healer. Now, Hebrews 13 and 8 says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means that what he used to do here He's still doing here. He came in, healed all their diseases. He's still doing it. He's not here to destroy men's lives, but to save men's lives. Still happening today. He's never changed. You with me? Nothing's impossible. Look at your name and say, nothing's impossible. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 4. Of Psalms 103. Are you following along? I'm kind of scooting along here. But who redeems your life from destruction? Another promise, right? Who redeems your life from destruction? So not only do you run from God or run to God, and not only do you believe that nothing's impossible, you have to also believe this: that the enemy has no power over you. Has none. The only power the enemy has on you or me is the power we let him have. And that's why fear needs to go, because it's an inroad. It's an open door for the enemy. He redeems your life from destruction, praise God. I think I read this on Friday night, Psalms 107. It talks about he's redeemed you from the hand of the enemy. Isaiah brings out, no weapon formed against you will prosper, Right? 1 John 3 says this, that Jesus, uh, for this reason did the Son of Man come to destroy the works of the devil. Well, if he came to destroy the works, how many know it happened? Do you think Jesus only did it halfway? Do you think he only got part of it done? I think he, he handled it, right? And so what do you do now? Well, according to Revelations 12, you overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony, and loving not your life even unto death. In other words, praise God, based on what Christ has done, 
based on what he's doing right now, talking about Jesus, what he's done in your, doing in your life right now, based on a testimony, and then based on loving not your life. In other words, willing to lay down my life that no matter what, I'm, I'm going his way. I'm not going to bow to the enemy. Are you still with me? All right, back to Psalms 103. Redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. The word loving kindness is, is hasid, is the, is the Hebrew word. It means covenant kindness or favor, which means gives you the advantage or to be favorable, right? Hallelujah. The word tender mercies refers to compassion. But the bottom line is, is, is he's always, he's always uh, a God who's trying to give you the advantage to favor you, okay? Covenant favor, covenant uh, kindness, compassion is always trying to give you the upper edge, give you the upper hand, I should say. Amen. Are you with me? That's what it's about. So you have to receive favor. He's trying to give you the upper hand. Receive it. Well, that'd be cheating. Not when it comes time to the devil. See, he, the Word says, he's, the word says that uh, to not be ignorant of his devices. And the whole thing in context talks about where he now has the advantage on you based on the fact of the head games he's playing on you. So what God's trying to say is, listen, I'm trying to take away his advantage and give you the advantage. So you got to receive that, though. All right? Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things. I'm winding down. We're getting close here. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. The word satisfied means full to satisfaction or to overfull or overfill. So in other words, he fills your mouth, amen, satisfies your mouth with good things, amen. So I just put in here because I think it, it probably no matter what we're ever dealing with, especially when you're dealing with, with life itself and dealing with the enemy, you got to keep your mouth full of good. Come on, right? So now the reason I'm, this is necessary here. You can't, listen, you can't have what you badmouth. You can't have what you talk against. You can't have it. So if you're believing for healing, you want healing, and you constantly talk sick, you ain't going to manifest healing in your life. You can't talk poverty and expect prosperity. It ain't going to happen. Or you can't badmouth prosperity thinking it's going to happen when it won't happen. I mean, we, we can go all day long on this, okay? You can't, you can't expect your marriage to be restored when you badmouth her or badmouth him. You can't expect your kids to serve God when you constantly talk about how they're not serving God. It won't happen. Somewhere we got to get a hold of it. Your mouth has got to work for you, not against you. Because you are a creative being. You've been made in his image after his likeness. And he says, your words, death and life, are in the power of your tongue. It's not what goes in the mouth that defiles. It's what comes out your mouth. By your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. Why? Because it's you. You are literally the prophet of your own life. You determine what's going to manifest around you just based on your own words. 
Somebody said, well, listen, this stuff's happened to me. I didn't call on the Listen, listen, then stop agreeing with it. There are things going on around you. Maybe you didn't do anything. Maybe somebody else made a dumb decision. It happens. So you hooking your mouth with that and getting in agreement with it, all you're doing is giving it place. We're too agree as touching anything. 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 That doesn't mean when you two agree in prayer, then it'll be given. It doesn't say that. And that's not what it means. Now, if you're going to get an agreement in prayer, that's a good thing. Make sure you're praying the right thing. But it's not just talking about when you pray. It's talking about any time. What you get in agreement with will manifest. So if the enemy has place and you get in agreement with that with your words, then guess what? You get place to it. And you can, you can get upset about it. You can say, I don't like this. I dislike all this. But you gotta, then you got to get your mouth in agreement. Did I lose you? I mean, you can't, how you, you know, you're sitting there freaking out about some corona thing. The coronavirus is walking around going, who can I bug? <laughs> Literally. Oh, there's one. They keep talking about me. <laughs> Listen, if you want the dog, stop calling the cat. Now get this, verse 5 again. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You can have renewed youth. Hallelujah. And sometimes the birthday reminds me. I need to really stand on that verse. Right? My youth renewed. Amen. You can talk old, and a lot of people do. And isn't it amazing that when they start talking old, they get old. Uh, there's no, this old man and, they, and the old people, uh, I'm so old, there's no reason. I should never even be out in public. I'm so old. Dude, knock it off. Hallelujah. Now, there's so many promises in here about renewed strength and your youth renewed. Amen. So how does that, how does that going to happen? Well, right here, you're going to have to get your mouth involved. So you're going to have to, again, accept and, re and receive the renewing process. Okay? Get your mouth working for you. Amen? Now, that, your mouth isn't going to talk this if you're, if you're riddled with fear. Because remember, fear will determine things. If that's your thought life, then your thoughts determine words. Your words then determine actions. And on down the line it goes. Whew. Last verse. Verse 6. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Okay? Now, a lot really in this, um, there's no way we can, you know, justify, I mean, take the time to go through all this. But, but here's what the message translation says about it. God makes everything come out right. He puts victims back on their feet. That's why the message says it, okay? So the Lord 
executes righteousness. In other words, he does what's right. He's a just God. Okay, he's a just God. All right, which means he's got your back. Come on, somebody. And think about this. God said these things. God promised you these things. So a God who does what's right, a God who's just, is going to do what he said he's going to do. But you have to believe it. You've got to accept it. You've got to connect your faith to it. Amen. You've got to let yourself come into a place where you know who you are and you know whose you are. Praise God. And if you'll walk that and that becomes fully formed in you, guess what? Amen. Fear goes out the window. Amen. Faith is now activated, working like it should. Praise God. Getting some results. Praise God. Life starts changing and shifting in the direction it's supposed to. Now, are you glad you came out on a Sunday morning? Even though it was all white out there and some little bug bouncing around somewhere out there. Amen. I'm glad you came out today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Praise God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So much more we could have said about all these things, but, um, you know, um, as you're standing up, um, thing that I'm reminded of is that really fear and, fear and faith really operate the same. They're just on two ends of the spectrum. They both operate with, about, you know, with confidence toward something. Faith is about confidence toward you know, something good, whereas fear is about confidence toward something bad. So you have to determine, you know, you know what are you going to put your confidence in? See, just another way to look at it. But uh, that's why we walk, you know, fully formed with the love of God and knowing who Mr. Love is and that love that's extended toward us and who we are in that love. Amen. Instead of being wrapped, wrapped up and riddled with all this mess, fear-based stuff that we as a believer have no business believing or receiving, I should say. It's probably a better word. Receiving. Okay. We're not, again, we're not denying its existence. We're just denying it's right to operate around you. See, that's a big difference. Amen. Whew. Now, hallelujah, let's just do this. Father, we give praise and glory. We give honor right now for your word and these principles today. Hallelujah. Forgive us for the times we've got caught up and wrapped up in that fear. We refuse to go down that road anymore. We know, Lord, that you're faithful and just to forgive us. So we receive that. We thank you for that. And Father, I thank you for the empowerment. Thank you for the wisdom, the counsel. Thank you, Lord God, for uh, the, um, uh, the, the courage, praise God, that this people walk in. That regardless of what's out there, regardless of what they're facing, regardless of what they're looking at, regardless of what was said, praise God, they're leaning on you, trusting in you, faith in you. Hallelujah. And for that, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Now, if you're watching by Internet uh, or you're listening by Internet, or even if anybody in this room, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, this is the time to do it. Amen. Make Jesus Lord of your life. The word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Literally, whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. It says, if you believe in your heart that, uh, you know, uh, that, he, that he's Lord and, and confess out your mouth that he's been raised from the dead, then guess what? Praise God. Hallelujah. That's how it works. 
So you get things, hallelujah, right in your heart, right in your head, right in your mouth, amen. And all of that's just making Jesus Lord of your life, amen. So if you're here today, I want everybody just, uh, everybody just say this out loud. Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I confess you as Lord. Out my mouth, I declare you as my Lord. I thank you for coming into my life and making me a new creation, a born-again believer. I give thanks and I give honor and I give you all the glory for a, a new birth for salvation in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.